Mm. And then what I've learned, what I learned with job interviews is they want to hear about what you did, right? What did you do? What did you accomplish? What impact did you make? Well, in the military, you don't think like that. You think as a team, we did this, Mm. we did that, we accomplished this, you know, we successfully completed this mission. We brought everyone home. Hello, and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career, and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequeira. And I am Bob Beldebos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Welcome back to the PyBytes podcast. This is Julian. I'm here alone this week for the moment. Uh, Normally I have Bob with me, but I have a very special guest with me this week named Isaac Smith. Now, Isaac and I have this amazing conversation, a very special conversation about a very important topic, and that is veterans in the workplace. When I say veterans, I'm talking about our ex-military staff that uh, tend to have to transition their way out of military life sometimes for X many years. Isaac, in this instance, has been with the military in the United States for about 20 years. And two years ago, he had to transition into corporate life. And that is something that I think many people tend to take for granted that you can just switch, just context switch from one career to the next, that it's as easy as just getting a new job and moving on. And it really isn't. There are so many nuances and so many concerns for our veterans as they transition from their military lives into corporate work. And Isaac shares some incredible insights. It gets pretty raw. And he talks in great detail about what it's been like for him and what it's like for other veterans when it comes to moving from, again, from the military into civilian corporate life. So this episode is a fantastic conversation. I truly loved doing this interview with Isaac. And as always, there are actionable steps for us, for those of us who are not veterans and who may be working with or be hiring or have people working for us that are ex-military staff as well. So definitely listen. Right at the end, there's a whole bunch of actions that Isaac recommends, uh, things to do, things not to do, and enjoy the conversation. Again, Isaac, thank you for joining me, and uh, everyone else, enjoy the listen. All right, welcome back, Isaac. It is good to have you on the podcast. Um, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Julian. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, oh, nice. You're the first person to say that. Um, so everyone listening... I am interviewing, as I just mentioned in the intro, uh, Isaac Smith. So Isaac has very come, kindly come here to join me and talk about uh, veterans in the workplace and, and difficulties that they face and how we can all support them uh, a lot better than we are now, which is very important and uh, a great topic for us to chat about. But before we dive in, as always, I want to talk about some wins. So Isaac, did you come pre-prepared with a win for us? I did, Julian. My win, and I'm being serious here, not funny, is having you as a good friend. That is a win to me, and I truly appreciate it. So thank you. <laughs> so thank you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he, okay, full disclosure, I said, come prepared with a win, and that was it. So I thought it was going to be something different. Now, anything I say other than that was my win too is going to be... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's sincere. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. Um, let's just end the podcast here. I think let's end on a high. I think. All right. Thanks, yeah. everyone, for listening. Great. Don, I'm <laughs> glad you all got a lot out of this. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Nice. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, my my win is has nothing to do with you because you live in you know Seattle or something. But um, my, no, my one of my kids had uh, my middle child had his birthday this week, so that's my win. And uh, lots of celebrating, lots of cake. Can't wait. That's going to be my lunch today. It's just leftover cake, and we talk about health stuff a lot. So breaking the rules, but. Lots of cake, lots of partying. It's been a great, great week. So there's my win. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm still still emotional about your win, man. Jeez. <laughs> let's, let's move on. Give me a minute off the microphone. So, all right, uh, thanks for sharing that. That's very nice of you. Um, but as we dive in, before we dive into the, the meat of the episode, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone listening, uh, you know, what did you do, what you're about, and then we'll jump in. Oh, yeah, sure. So... I spent 20 years in the U.S. Navy, uh, part of Special Forces, uh, and an elite group called um, Special Warfare Combatant Craft Crewmen. Shorten it up, we called ourselves SWIX, Navy SWIX. Not a lot of people know about us. They always called us the best kept secret in the Navy because they didn't know about us. Um, <laughs> very small, very small group on average. Right now, there's probably around maybe seven to 800 SWIX. And the other part of Naval Special Warfare is Navy SEALs, which everyone knows about Navy SEALs. And there's, you know, around 2,500 Navy SEALs. So wow. uh, a lot smaller. And yeah, I did that for 20 years. I enlisted right out of high school. Um, was supposed to go to boot camp on September 11th, 2001. That did not happen. Um, they sent us all yeah. home. Yeah, sent us all home, and then I ended up going to boot camp actually on the 17th of September, and I retired uh, September of 2021 after 20 wow. years. That's yeah. cool. Amazing, man. Um, I didn't even know this information, and we've talked for <laughs> for ages and haven't discussed this. <laughs> that's uh, mind blown. That's, that's amazing. And um, what are you doing now? So that was 2021. It's almost two years ago. So what's been happening since? Yeah. So now I work Amazon on the AWS side as a program manager. I was doing leadership development, which I probably should have stressed before in the Navy. Um, one of my last duties, I was in, um, in charge of the advancement for all of everyone in Naval Special Warfare. So about... Eh, 3,000 plus people uh, along with that was like their career paths, roadmaps in their career, and then leadership development. And I really grew a passion for leadership development because when you're in the military, like that's part of your career path is becoming a leader. So you have to train the junior personnel to eventually take your spot, knowing that you're not going to be there forever. You're going you're gonna to move on and move up you know, the chain. So I really enjoy leadership development as well. Um, I was doing leadership development um, alongside Julian, uh, <laughs> <on> the, <laughs> you know, for a while within AWS. And then we had a, a shift in roles and now I'm uh, program managing. But yeah, uh, leadership development is very important because 
that drives having a good leader, you know, drives the culture within the company, um, drives the environment within the team. And I would always say at the end of the day, ask myself when I was leading, you know, is my team happy? Do they want to come work for me tomorrow? Am I Mm -hmm. doing what I can to help promote them? And that was kind of my mindset is how am I helping them? And do they enjoy it? Are they willing to come back tomorrow? And, you know, if I have a very crappy job, are they willing to do it because they like me and they want to work for me? Mm. So that's, that's awesome. Um, and that's probably why we, we get along so well. <laughs> I guess we have very similar <laughs> ideologies on this stuff. Uh, that's cool. And, and it's nice to hear that that's how you rounded out your career in the, the Navy before you were, um, before you retired. So that's, that's amazing. Um, and it's a great segue to the topic of today. So uh, as as I mentioned earlier, the the whole presence of veterans moving into um, into workplaces, into corporate work, uh, it's it's very difficult. It, it is very difficult. And I have my own experience with this having uh, hired a few people um, from the Australian military service um, into roles. Right, uh, but definitely have not experienced from your side of the fence, from the American or the United States arm of the military, whatever, uh, into workplaces in corporate America. So I'm really keen to hear your insights on all of this stuff. Um, but I figure, why don't we start with what are some of the complications or difficulties that veterans face when they transition from, like as you in your case your perfect example 20 years in the service uh moving into corporate america what's what are some of the difficulties yeah that's a great question julian um it it the whole process is difficult the whole transition out especially if you've done you know 20 years um you're almost having to reprogram your brain because you come from a very top-down leadership style, right? Um, you have to do it because I outrank you. That's how it would go. Um, yeah. Your idea is dumb because you're not this rank. But if I were a certain rank and I came up with it, then it's a good idea. So it's, you know, it's it's that type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the hardest part was one of the biggest issues or difficulties I've had is dealing with the ambiguity. Um, there's a lot of ambiguity, especially at Amazon. And because you you come from the military, and I'm guessing all forces like this globally around the world, um, you have a very structured day. They tell you what needs to get done, when it needs to get done by, right? And like every day, it's, this is what you're doing, this is what you're doing. I mean, we have meetings every morning saying, hey, here's the plan of the day. Here's what needs to, need to get done. Let's do it. So there was no ambiguity. It was just, here's our tasks, do them. So for me, it's um, the difficulty's been when I'm given, like at Amazon, given a task, um, or not even that, trying to come up with an idea of something to do. That's hard for me because I've been told what to do for 20 years straight on everything I do. So now I have the ability to come up with an idea, um, and I, I struggle with that. So, and it, um, yeah, so it's, it's nice to have a little bit of guidance and a little bit of structure mm. and then, you know, wean yourself off of that. Um, but that's, 
I think the ambiguity aspect has been the hardest, hardest part for me to deal with. Um, Cause yeah. I've had that structure and then I come into a workplace where they're like, here's our mission, figure out a way to get it done. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of funny because in the corporate workspace, we promote a, an environment of just the opposite because if we aren't ambiguous and we don't let you operate to your own skill set and the way you want to do things to get the job done, it's seen as micromanaging, right? And so, um, and that's to non-military personnel, of course. So mm-hmm. if, if someone came to me, someone who's not been in the military and started telling me what to do at every point of the day, giving me that structure, I'd be like, I want to quit. I don't want to be here. Um, and so I, I experienced the same thing on the flip side of it, which is why I'm, I'm glad that we're chatting about it, where some of the guys, one of which has been on the podcast before, um, in the early days of our podcast, um, you know, when they came to work with me at the AWS data centers, I was trying to be a good manager to them and saying like, hey, go forth and fix things. And they're like... And, you know, they didn't want to let me down. And there was all these sorts of emotions on their end of like, oh, crap, how do I do this? But then they were feeling lost. They felt uncomfortable. And when we had those discussions to uh, unearth that um, that feeling and that problem of ambiguity, uh, then I was able to actually meet them halfway and, and like help coach them out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a real problem that I don't think many people acknowledge or know about that it something to worry about you know because we're trying to do the opposite of like we don't want to baby you and make you feel like we don't trust you you know um so yeah okay so that, that's a good one thank you for bringing that up what's what's next on your list because we did prepare a little we did prepare a little bit before right. this podcast uh what's next well you know i guess this will lead into our into what's next on the list is part of dealing with amb- ambiguity too can be difficult because I suffer from traumatic brain injury and PTSD. So my that can affect cognitive abilities. And a lot of times it affects my short-term memory. So I'll be in, you know, a meeting and they'll put some word out or you know whatever and they'll, but I'll have to wait, stop an email and be like, "Hey, could you send me the notes again on this meeting because I honestly can't remember or my notes aren't making sense or I don't remember where I was going with this note I took. Um, you just send me some bullet points. And that's so going into those invisible disabilities that come with having veterans on the team, especially if there's been, if you're a veteran who's been enlisted or active duty within the last 20 years, you know, we were at war for 20 years. <laughs> and so you figure pretty much every veteran has gone over into a combat zone or had to deal with something that's um, affected them where they deal with PTSD. Um, so it's that those invisible disabilities, it, it's hard because a, a lot of civilian managers look at it as a... Um, I mean, I see TBI moment right now. I'm forgetting the word I want to use. Like <laughs> okay, a gap or a... Like like a performance issue. Attention. That's what I'm looking for. Yes. Like a performance yeah. issue, right? And it's not a performance issue. It is a it is a disability. Um, so veterans, you know, it helps to have tools to help them with those disabilities. And, you know, I, 
my first team I was on, I struggled quite a bit with that. And, um, you know, some of the senior leadership in that team didn't want to be educated on what it meant to have this type of invisible disability. Um, they wanted it, they wanted to just keep saying it was a performance issue. And it was very, very frustrating for me. Um, very hard to deal with, which is really glad I got into the new team. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's very, it can be very hard and that can be very emotionally damaging uh, to veterans when you can't get people to understand what, what you're going through uh, or they don't want to understand it. And that's, yeah, that's hard. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like I, I can do my best to empathize. Uh, but yeah, not having been through it, I can't imagine what that's like. And it must be so frustrating though, you know, um, and that's why, you know, towards the end of this, as we uh, move further into the episode, we're going to talk about what people in my shoes can do to support people, uh, veterans that are coming in and uh, may have these uh, disabilities and, and, you know, concerns and issues and worries that, they don't actually need to disclose or share with you, right? So how can we're going to talk about how we as a, a non-veterans can support people, whether we know or, mm -hmm. or don't know these things. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. I, I know it's not easy for you, so I appreciate it. Um, now, the last thing on your list that you wanted to bring up as well had to do with the challenges that veteran family members face. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's that's a big one so i've been married 18 years now and you know um we have to move a lot in the military mm. so every every time i got new orders we had to pick up and move across country uh you know and every time we moved my wife would have to quit her job and then try to find another job my son would mm. have to go to a new school you know every three to four years three to four years my son's in a new school so you never get that um, set of friends that you grow up with, you know, that you can go to and trust because you're always yep. picking up and moving. And, and my wife, she's never been able to, you know, have a career where she can grow at a company because we have to pick up and move and the company wouldn't keep her hired on. You know, and, and until now that I'm retired from the military, now she can be in a company and grow. But I feel like I've put her 18 years behind in her career path. Because of being on active duty and having to pick up and move, and then, you know, same with, with with our child. You know, they're they've had to struggle with going into new schools and losing their friends, which is you know that's hard to that's like a loss, right? Picking up and mm -hmm. moving, so you're losing those set of friends, and I have to go find new ones. So that's been very difficult um, on on my family. So that's, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of the, and there's, you know, then challenges of being gone for six to eight months at a time. And now that I am, now that I am retired, it's kind of funny. I'm home all the time. My wife is like, when are you going to leave again? <laughs> Cause you get into that, you know, you get used to that rotation. I was gone probably. Um, I was usually gone 250 to 300 days a year sometimes. Ooh. And that's, yeah. that's when I'm, but that's when I'm home, not even deployed. So mm. wow. you're gone. Yeah. You're gone a lot. Um, so it was, Jeez. 
Yeah. So they get used to that and it's, and then coming home and having to reintegrate back in the family when your spouse has been running the household a certain way and you, you try to come in and just pick up where you left off. doesn't work like that. <laughs> you, get, you get your butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh man. Yeah. Um, it, these are things that you kind of hear about from like TV and, and you know about these at a, a very surface level. But when you hear it like this, it, it's actually, you know, I, I sit there and I struggle with a two-week business trip being away from the kids, right? I can't imagine, man, like 300 days a year. Oof. Um, just incredible. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And actually, if you don't mind me asking, and you can feel free to say no, and I'll leave it in the podcast. Um, how do you? <laughs> how did you feel like about this? Where because you're putting that pressure on um, your your career choice here is is obviously having that impact on the family, as you said. So, how does that impact you? It's you're putting a lot of pressure, like on yourself, uh, to make sure that you're you're living up to the expectations of your family members, um, mm. which can be hard because it's, it's a lot of stress. I'll put it that way. It's yeah. a lot of stress. It's been, it's been nice since I retired, um, not having to be gone all the time and being able to be home and, and have like a, a job where I'm just home, you know, not having to pick up and leave in two years or a year or leave for six months at a time. But it was very stressful when I was retiring because it, you know, even though it it didn't, I felt like like the weight of the family was on me to find a job, mm. you know, because it's hard to, I'd never done a job interview until I retired from the military. My first job interview was Whoa. a year and a half ago. Wow, man. That would have been scary as too. It was super scary uh, because you're trying to, you're trying to translate everything you've done into civilian terminology and then what I've learned, what I learned with job interviews is they want to hear about what you did, right? What did you do? What did you accomplish? What impact did you make? Well, in the military, you don't think like that. You think as a team, we did this, mm. we did that, we accomplished this, you know, we successfully completed this mission. We brought everyone home. Job interviewers don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear what you did. So it, it was, it was hard to kind of translate that. Okay, well, how did my role and what I was doing impact the team to make it, you know, successful? And it, it was just whole shifting my whole mm. train of thought on how I spoke to my experiences in the military. That's tough. That's also a good lesson, I think, for um, for all of us, everyone listening, including recruiters, right? Is that take that into account when you're talking with them, that when they say, when veterans might be, people like you might be saying, we, in your interview, Give them that chance and say, hey, you're, you're saying a lot of – so like I always say, the greatest interviews become conversations and you mm -hmm. feel like you're just hanging out with someone and, and talking smack for an hour, right, um, about the job. So if you're in that situation and you know that you're looking at this person's CV and it's saying that they just spent 3,000 years in the military, um, be – empathetic to that and i think this is a really great eye-opener for a lot of people that hey you can have that chat and if they're um if if the veteran that you're speaking with is saying we a lot and you're looking for that individual contribution just course correct them right give them the opportunity because um one of the things i learned um over the years is that a lot of the 
the people that I've worked with that are, are military veterans have some, been some of the best colleagues and workers that I've, I've come across to the point where, you know, they're super, they've been super reliable, dependable, unlike people like me, right? Where, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. I won't even, <laughs> won't even continue that one. Um, but you know what I mean? So, yeah. no, no, I appreciate you sharing that. It's really great, uh, valuable insight, I think, for a lot of people. Um, so do you mind if we jump into the call to action? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. everyone, as you, as you know, uh, we like to make these podcast episodes a little more actionable for you. So it's not just a, a data dump. Um, Isaac's prepared a bit of a list of a few things that maybe we can all do as, um, as, as colleagues and workers and managers and recruiters and you name it, uh, how we can be a little more uh, inclusive, respectful, understanding, empathetic uh, for veterans that we might come across in the workplace and want to hire as well. So go for it, Isaac. Take the stage. Yeah. So this is, God, there's so much to cover here. <laughs> Did you write them down the, at least? I'll hit the highlights. I'll hit the highlights. <laughs> um, so I will say this. We veterans are very good at getting tasks done quickly and efficiently. Um, but we may not understand how it needs to get done in the corporate world compared to how we did it while we were active duty. So any type of help or advice, especially if a new veteran on the team and they have a new project they've been tasked with or something, just offer your assistance. Be like, hey, um, in the past, here's a way I prioritize something like this or the way I've organized this, this might work for you. Uh, you know, and and that's, that helps because sometimes for me, my organizational skills aren't the greatest. And that, a lot of that's attributed to like the TBIs, but it helps to have that framework to look at something and be like, okay, and then you can manipulate it so it suits you, you know, to, to be able to get the job done. Um, also, two veterans aren't going to, a lot of times they aren't going to come out and, and tell you they may have a disability. They need that. They need to build that trust first. So you have to build that trust um, with them before they open up and kind of tell you a little bit about their experience they had while in the military. And maybe they'll disclose if they have a disability. You know, it's it, it all depends on that person. Um, but just be aware, too, that a lot of veterans do come to corporate America with PTSD and traumatic brain injury. And little things can trigger them and you may not even realize they're triggered. Um, but sometimes you might, and it might be just, Hey, you know what? It's cool. Just take the rest of the day. Um, Cause that, you know, someone who's been triggered can spiral downhill pretty quick. I know from experience. So mm -hmm. just being, you know, empathetic towards that and be like, Hey, you know, we under, we understand. Um, you know, and just offer them support. And it's, it's sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes they don't want help or they're not going to ask for help. You know, that can be a, a pride thing, right? Um, that was one of the hardest lessons. I, and I still deal with it now is like asking for help or something. Um, but just, you know, offer it. And then like for the managers out there, like for me, uh, I, I tell my manager, hey, you know, every once in a while, just check in on me, make sure, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on something we talked about or whatever. Because I... 100% will forget. I even have a to-do list. 
and sometimes I forget to look at my to-do list. So it's always good to have that, like, to like get pinged, like, hey, how's that project coming or whatever? Did you meet with so-and-so about this project? Uh, and that's just a good reminder. And I don't look at it as micromanaging. To me, that's very helpful because I need it. And, you know, that's um, – so, yeah, I enjoy when people hit me up and they're like, hey, how's this coming along? Have you started it yet? <laughs> so – I like that. But in that instance, you went to your manager who, uh, shout out to your manager, by the way, who's awesome. Um, and probably will be listening to one of our first listeners on this, um, with you took that initiative, right. Um, but that also comes with trust that comes Mm -hmm. with the, um, I guess the experience at that point that you can do that. And that, that helps you, uh, in the instance where say, if someone's the manager of a veteran and it's their very first role out of the military and they won't, they may not feel comfortable because one of the things that I've been told uh, through other veteran friends is that you kind of don't make waves for your commanding officer or your manager. Right. Um, And that sometimes if you go to them with these things, you can get like smacked down. Like, what are you doing? Telling me about this, you know, you should figure it out yourself. Uh, so if some people aren't feeling comfortable talking to their managers, what can, can you think of a, a nice way that us as managers who might have veterans working for us, how we can engage um, our employees a little better to give them that space and, and that permission? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, if a, if you have a veteran on the team and they haven't disclosed to you whether they have a disability or they might not trust you yet, um, and it looks like they may be having like a performance issue. That's the time to start kind of probing those questions. Be like, hey, is everything okay? You know, what's going on? Is there anything I can do to support? Um, but it's really valuable to build that trusting relationship. And it can be difficult. I mean, there was a, I heard a senior leader in a meeting. Um, it was brought up that a veteran had PTSD and the senior leader was like, well, we all have PTSD. They're just going to have to learn to live with it. <laughs> and, and, you know, that Ouch. is a horrible thing to say, mm-hmm. um, horrible thing to say. And, you know, it's like for me, when I got hired onto this team, um, me personally, I was like, okay, it's important for me to disclose what's going on with me. So it's not you know, a surprise when I get hired, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, my manager is amazing. And so when we first met, I disclosed everything to her. I was like, you know, this is, this is me, this is who I am. And this is what I deal with, but here's the passion. Here's what I want to do. And, you know, I think being open and disclosing it up front really allowed for that trust to grow mm-hmm. um, because I was being open and honest, like, Hey, this is, I'm not trying to bullshit around here. This is yeah. me. Um, so, and this is what I deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. But, but uh, I can do this. Here are my talents. You know. Yeah. So, and you know, I, I know for you specifically that your talent list was pretty small. So um, very small. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm sorry. I, I had to take that chance. I had to take I it. Can, the opportunity was. Left yourself wide open for it. Um, hey, man, I can type five words a minute. I'm good. <laughs> perfect. You'll be perfect to work at Pi Um no, so, 
<laughs> no, the, the thing I want to say as well, just to add on to that, if you are a manager or in any position where you're working with a veteran um, and you want to create this space, do it privately, you know, take them into an, an office or get on a Zoom call or whatever, but don't do it in a public audience, like in the lunchroom, that, that's just poor form. You know, give them that privacy and that space to really open mm-hmm. up and trust you and then it'll go a long way. Um, and be, you know, actually mean it as well. Don't just do it on surface value. Do it because you actually care about people. Um, so yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, all right. What else do you have? Anything else on the list that people can do to support veterans on their teams or as colleagues? Yeah. Just have patience, really. Um, patience, having the patience pays huge dividends, especially when it comes to building that trust, um, and knowing they're a veteran too, be be inclusive on things. Uh, a lot of you know, it's some environments aren't very inclusive to veterans. Uh, some people have distaste for veterans, mm. you know. So it can just you know be open. Um, I think, and I never really appreciated it when I was younger, but. You know, when when people like thanked me for my service, I've come to realize that really means a lot to me now, you know, just whenever there's a Veterans Day or like we just had Memorial Day over here in the U.S., which is more about remembering those who who've been lost, you know, while on active duty. Um, It's really important for me to acknowledge that and. Um. Yeah, it, it. I don't know. It means a lot now. And before, I was just when I was on active duty, I was like, oh, I'm just doing my job. It's you know, you don't need to thank me. It's just it's just what I'm doing. Mm. Um. But now that I'm out, I it. I see it now, you know, from the other side, and it's um. I see all the friends I still have on active duty and and what they're still going through, and hear about all these young people now enlisting and, and joining and knowing some of them. It goes a, a thank you does a does a lot. Mm. Oh, nice! So. I I appreciate that. You know, that's funny. Um, that's a thing I have only really heard on like. Again, you're going to think I'm <laughs> the biggest uh, uneducated fool, but it, that's the sort of thing I hear on TV, right? Because I, I don't live in the states, I don't mm-hmm. see any military personnel from the states, uh, so when you hear things on TV or actually, you know, I've heard it through airports in America when I'm transiting through there and they might say, if we have any active duty personnel, you can, I think it's like board the plane early and thank mm-hmm. you for your service. And I've never quite put the two and two together, right? Because you, you're thanking them for the sacrifice um, that they've clearly made as you've talked about with family, with everything, mm-hmm. um, health and stuff. So it's a really great um, point to bring up that all of us who work with veterans, regardless of the country that we're in, uh, the sacrifice is still there and we need to, it's, it can help on the tough days, I think. Yeah. It's yeah. And it's the, and it's, it's not just of being deployed in, you know, combat zones. It's the sacrifice also like being away from your family, your loved ones, um, and, and then 
coming home and doing it over and over again, you know, it's, they sacrifice too. And it's, yeah, it just, it's, it's neat. And that's veterans from like any, any country thank them. Um, I know for us, it's voluntary. Some countries it's not, but, but still the fact that someone served, you know, and put their life on the line for the mm. country, I think is a, it's a big deal. And I never realized it until, you know, until I got out, I just was doing my job. I didn't look at it like that, but you know, now I, it kind of hit home when I retired. I was like, you know what? I still thank all of my friends that are on active duty for what they're doing mm. for still being in, you know, they're still crushing it. So <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. But no, yeah, just cool. just be open and patient and, and listen. Um and too, sometimes veterans just want to talk. Like mm. they'll be going through something and part of dealing with PTSD or whatever they're going through is just talking and venting, you know, getting out just like anyone. Um mm. just you know, listen be be someone that they can build that trusting relationship so they can you can just listen. Yep. And then you learn a lot too. You learn a lot about them once you build that trust. Yeah, it's a it, well. A lot of it sounds to just like a, be a decent human being, mate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which makes me which makes me reflect on uh, our friendship because I'm like, hmm, I didn't know half of this stuff you've just talked about. <laughs> That's never come up in conversation. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No. Um, no, that's awesome. And you know, one thing I'll add is is and I've seen this. I don't know, just correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, this is this is live, this is brand new. Um I would say have taste. Be be tasteful if you want to ask questions, right? Have some tact to it. Yes. Because uh, some things can be triggering, right? Yes, that you brought up a good point. I'm glad you did, because I don't know how many times I've been somewhere and someone's like, oh, you're a veteran? Oh, what was it like over in Iraq? Now, how was that? Mm. Really? Like, <laughs> Never asked that question. <laughs> like, yeah, it. like, but, you know, all kind, like people ask some of the dumbest questions that can easily trigger a veteran and it just blows my mind, um, you know, and so just, yeah, don't, Go, don't just start asking questions about their deployed time. So we're mm. in a hostile zone. What was it like? Like, don't, if they want to tell you about it, they will. Yep. Um, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's where I'll leave that. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. There, there was some, <laughs> I, I had one of those uh, moments where uh, one of the guys just opened up to me completely unexpected. He was running late. And he felt guilty about that. I'm like, hey, sorry, I'm late. I said, I don't get it. It's fine, man. And he goes, yeah, I just sometimes. And then he opened up about why, because when, you know, three weeks ago, my life was on the line versus right now I'm stuck in traffic. It just doesn't bother me compared to that mm -hmm. level of stress compared to this level of stress that we uh, take for granted, you know. So, um, but yeah, that came organically. That happened organically. And uh, in the moment, I like, I remember when he was saying, sorry, I'm like, I don't know about me. It's fine. I mean, we're in the middle of stuff. And then when he said that, I was like, oh, full attention. Like, what What did you just say? You know, and then we had a great chat about it. But, yeah, let, I, I find letting the individual 
choose when is appropriate for them is um is key to those conversations so yeah awesome yeah. all right anything else you want to add you'll never get the opportunity again i'm telling you i'll give you a call tomorrow and tell you my last thoughts <laughs> <laughs> i can't edit that in man Jeez. Um, <laughs> nice why are they wearing different shirts in this part of the episode <laughs> They're not even using Zoom this time. What the hell? Um, very nice. All right. Well, look, um, we like to wrap this up. But first, thank you so much for for this, Isaac. I think this might be one of the most serious, um, thought-provoking podcast episodes we've recorded. But I, I appreciate you opening up. Appreciate everything you do, have done, um, your service. There you go. First time I think I've said that before. Thank you for your service. Um but, you know, th just I appreciate you doing this because I think this will help a lot of people. And I, I think it's something that we don't really think about or talk about too much, um, you know, in, in general. And I, I don't think we do it enough or acknowledge it enough. Um, but, yeah, before we we end, now I'm um, now I say this as a good friend, but I'm assuming you can read. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there pictures in the book? Because <laughs> otherwise, um, because otherwise, it's just words on paper. Yes, <laughs> I can read them too. No, um, so look, we we love to wrap up every episode with a book. What is it? What is it that we're reading? Um, now, you and I have talked about books to no end before, but what are you currently uh, diving into or about to dive into? So, I'm about to dive into this book called Untethered Souls. By Michael Ooh. A. Singer, it's really Is that about um, fiction. Uh, I don't know. No. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a, about really diving in and finding your inner self. So one thing that's really helped me with my struggles is learning to meditate and learning mindfulness and really trying to dive deeper into into who I am and to uncover you know, some of the things within me and, and work through those. And this is a book that was recommended to me to help do that. And I'm really looking forward to reading it, actually, because I've discovered probably within the last six months that the greatest kind of self-love you can give yourself is to take that time to just be with yourself and really dive deep to learn who you are as a person um, and I'm hoping this book will help me continue that journey because it is, the whole experience has been amazing, especially the learning, the art of meditation and how it can just really open you up. And yeah, it, it's, it's nice. done a lot for me. That's I'm cool. So wait, you, yeah. you have, so you haven't read it yet. You have, you're about haven't, to read it. I'm about to read it. Yeah. yeah. So it's right, right here. Look, here's, everyone can see it. Uh, they, they even had it ready. I did have it ready. That's awesome. I come prepared. So you have to, if you want to see what it looks like, you have to watch this on YouTube again. But you have, you can't skip to the end. You got to watch the whole thing. <laughs> uh, no, this is cool. I, I've just, uh, I've just found it. Um, that'd be cool. I might actually get myself a copy as well, and then we can read it together. I can read it to you. Yeah, draw me you. pictures though, so I can understand it easier. 
Well, no, you can do the meditation <laughs> while I read it, and I'll put my ASMR voice on. Okay, Isaac, take three deep breaths. Um, oh, no. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it, give it a crack. Uh, you can get it. I can have it tomorrow if I buy it right now. I wonder what company go. would do that sort of delivery. I don't um, know. EPS. <laughs> okay, we 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 clearly have too much fun. Okay, well, look. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a nice balance because currently I'm reading The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> no, no. Um, actually, I picked this up um, the other day. So I've read this before, um, The Art of War, um, as a as a leadership type book. Um, and it's a leadership book, right? Yeah. Yeah. Leadership and business strategy. Anyway, I picked this up. It was on sale. I always buy things on sale. Uh They've created a another version of the book, but it comes with these cards, um, a deck of cards featuring a series of insightful and informative statements from the classic works. So a classic work, and it, the reverse of each card explains how to use this wisdom, right, that the book gives out in each chapter or each point. So there's 52 cards in the deck. Uh, so I'm hoping that on one day I can sit there and reflect on the cards. The next day I can go and play poker with the cards. Because um, if there's, <laughs> I, I haven't opened it yet, so we'll see what kind of cards they are. But you know, um, yeah, I'm going to give that a crack. I'm looking forward to that. It's been a while since I've read that book, and uh, yeah, there you go. Normally I'm awesome. sharing fiction. So, um, but look, Isaac, um, again, I can't thank you enough. This was a very special episode for me. Um, and it's just amazing having such a good friend come and share this um, microphone time with me and uh, give you that chance as well. Is there anything that you want to end with? Um, and also, where can people find you? Because I can imagine people are going to want to reach out to you at least to see, you know, where you get your haircut uh, because it's such a damn good haircut. Um, <laughs> yeah. Compared <laughs> to my no, buzz cut here. <laughs> no, thanks, Julian. This has been a pleasure. Hopefully, um Hopefully it was insightful and it just didn't sound like I was rambling on about nonsense. Uh, <laughs> no more than but, me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was it was it was a pleasure being on here. Thanks for asking me to do this. Uh, it meant a lot. So yeah, and uh, I can be found on LinkedIn. Yeah, Isaac okay. Smith. Yep. Nice. I'll um I'll put that link in the chat. Oh, in the chat. <laughs> the chat I'll put yeah. that link in the show notes for this. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. Well, look, man, thank you so much as always uh, for your time. Uh, every time I get to hang out with you, I know we're going to hang out next week, but every time I get to hang out with you, it's just always so much fun and always a pleasure. Uh, but thank you for bringing all of that wonderful insight to this measly, not measly, this, you know, very humble podcast led by a too humble. No, I'm kidding. But thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you and your time. Yeah. Thanks, Julian. This was right. legend. Oh, damn right it was. In fact, we're just going to cancel the podcast out of this episode. There's no, it's all downhill from here. After this <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening as well. Isaac, take care and I uh, hope people will we'll be back next week. You all take care. Enjoy. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybyte slash friends. That is pybit.es slash friends and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show. And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, go to pybytes slash community, that's pybit.es 
forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode.